self-preservation and betrayal kind of go hand in hand, right? Because we self-preserve because we've been betrayed. And I I wrote these words. I said, self-preservation is willfully choosing the pain of isolation over the potential of messy, godly connection. Here's the deal. It's always going to be messy. Connection with other people is a mess. But that is where we have the most beautiful opportunity to grow is to lean in, to have hard conversations, and still love each other at the end of it. We love knowing and keeping secrets. It makes us feel loved. It makes us feel important. It makes us feel valued. But that is the best kept secret. We are loved by the creator of the universe. This season, we are coming together with some of the most confident women that you will ever meet to discover the secret to moving beyond insecurity. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then Queen, we've got some work to do. Let's get to it. Hey y'all, it's me Liv and I hope that your week is off to an incredible start. I want to thank you so very much for being here with me today and for just embodying the community that I have been dreaming for over the past two years. My goodness. You know, we didn't have any reviews from our session together last week. However, we did have an outpouring of DMs, emails, phone calls, and text messages about how the conversation that I hosted with Priscilla's blessed your life. And mm, y'all, I am so humbled that you would choose to continue listening in, sharing your time and attention with me. And I want you to know that I do not take this community lightly. I hear you. We are definitely going to continue to discuss conversations that help us to heal together because that is where our confidence in the Lord comes from. It comes from the healing and the unity we experience in our Lord as a body. And so today, we are going to continue that conversation in many ways with someone whom I respect and admire. She has spoken about betrayal, and we're going to talk about how that betrayal really affects leaders at the pastoral level. And it is my prayer that you would take her wisdom and her advice seriously. Research shows that 70% of pastors have experienced loneliness and have no close friends whom they can trust with personal matters. To make matters worse, 70% of pastors have a lower self-image now than when they first joined the ministry. Mm. I wanted to take a pause there because those statistics are heartbreaking. And as we talk about the confidence to engage in spiritual warfare, We must recognize that if there is anyone who is encountering spiritual warfare in this season, it is our pastors. Spiritual warfare 
is the opposition that we encounter from the enemy that attacks our intimacy and authority in the Lord. And we can see right there from those statistics that our pastors are being attacked, not only in their intimacy with the Lord as they question their self-worth, but their intimacy with others as they fail to find those who will truly embody friendship for them. I really pray that we would begin to consider them that we would begin to pray for them, that we would begin to really ask the Lord to move on their behalf as they continue to show up for us. And then as he does that, he would send them friends. We all need friends and Friendship can get really messy, as we're going to talk about today. However, I have found that it is incredibly important to assess the health of your friendships. And I was never taught that when I was growing up. The truth is, you probably weren't either. It wasn't what people were talking about in the 80s and 90s and even the early 2000s. However, it is important that we begin to pray about our friendships so that the Lord can open our eyes to those whom we can be a friend to, to those whom we can receive friendship from, and to those who may need healthier friends within their lives. Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. As you will hear, we're going to talk about betrayal today. And I do want you to know that betrayal is synonymous with disloyalty and treachery. However, rebuke comes from the Hebrew word tochiyah. I'm not really good at pronouncing it, but it simply means correction. May we all find friends who will correct us in love and help us to grow more confident in Christ every single day. Our guest today is Andy Andrew. Andy Andrew is the author of She is Free, Fake or Follower and Friendship. It's Complicated. She is a passionate preacher who feels called to see the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ outworked practically and powerfully in our everyday lives. Based in Charleston, South Carolina and planted at Seacoast Church, Andy's life is currently focused on raising her four kids, writing, and investing in local churches and lives around the world. Would you please help me welcome Andy Andrew. All right, y'all, I am so ridiculously excited for our time today with Andy Andrews. You've already heard 
all the amazing things, but what you might not know is that she is best friends with Irene Rollins, yes. which is how we got connected. <laughs> and my goodness, y'all have just come through with the reviews for that episode. So this one is going to be every bit of amazing. Andy, thank you so very much for your time this morning. Thank how you for you? having me. I'm doing good. I got all the kids off to school and I was laughing telling you because you know you know the bottom half of my outfit is still like drop off the kids at school clothing so I just I need you to know that it just is what it is like we're so here for it I even got makeup on I'm proud of myself like I'm ready (laughs) yes yes I just feel like you know pajama pants and yoga pants oh yeah part of our everyday uniforms and life regardless of where we're going it just doesn't matter it's just fine it's fine it's okay <laughs> we came through a pandemic people we you really did understand. Right? Our, whole, our whole fashion changed with, right. with all of that <laughs> along with everything else right yeah <laughs> oh my goodness you know you have written uh, quite a few books and mm-hmm. i've enjoyed reading them i really just found so much that helped me in this particular season that i'm walking yeah. through through your latest book friendship <laughs> it's complicated. And so I really wanted to dive in there and just ask you a couple of questions because you come out the gate, you know, just- It's kind of intense. It is, (laughs) it is. And I am here for the intensity. You know, my mom and I have really just enjoyed a relationship that has been restored in the Lord Mm. uh, since I have become an adult. And so for you to start off with that woman wound was so powerful. Can you talk to us a little bit about the woman wound and how it can influence our friendships as adult women. Absolutely. I, it's so interesting because I started writing this book before the pandemic, even when a lot of friendships and relationships changed and my relationship with my mom has been obviously paramount. Like whether you have a mom that's present or not like that, that relationship is paramount to us because we're knit together in our mother's womb. That's literally where we're created. We can't deny the, the fact whether we were abandoned or rejected or deeply connected to our mothers, how they affect us. And I think a lot of times we'll talk about the father wound, but as I realized the issues that I had in relationships with other women, they were directly impacted by my relationship with my mom. I realized that a lot of that had to do with the lens that I wore through my upbringing with her. Now I've got this beautiful restored relationship with my mom too. And, um, that happened in my adult years as well. And funnily enough, it happened when I was pregnant with, uh, my firstborn. And I just felt like God said to me, Hey, do you want, um, your children to treat you the way you're treating your mom? And I was like, wow, that is intense. But, um, also I knew that, wow, I really need to deal with my own heart issues and own some stuff so that I can reconcile with my mom. So we start with the woman wound because what I realized about five, six years ago, as all of these relationships with other women were kind of falling to the ground as I wanted to point the finger and go, look what they're all doing. I felt like there was this nudge and the Holy spirit said to me, Hey, you are the common denominator in every relationship you're in. And I was like, wow. So what I started to realize is I can take radical ownership of this, but I need to get to the root of whatever that one problem is. And I realized for me, that was codependency Mm -hmm. and, um, the way that codependency was really, um, 
you know, kind of showing up in my life was this need to be needed, uh, was this, but also wanting to control the outcomes of every situation. It feels so wild. Um, this, uh, Honestly, there were so many different things and I would want to, I would say yes when I wanted to say no, I I was boundaryless. I would carry the weight of all of the issues and relationships that um, I was walking in, even though all relationships are a two-way street. Um, And I realized, wow, when I went back, what is that common denominator? When I realized that it was codependency and that was what was breaking down the relationships around me, especially with other women in my life is I went back to when I was younger and my mom was just going through so much pain. Isn't it funny when you grow up and you realize, wow, my parents are amazing. Like they, they were doing their best, you know? And, um, maybe that's not the case for everyone listening. Some people are like, mine weren't, (laughs) but (laughs) do you know what what I'm saying is, is I know now in hindsight, the absolute depths of pain that my mom was walking through and they didn't have people to talk to. Like we all talked to other people. They didn't have podcasts. They didn't have the help like we had. So guess who became the emotional mother? Me. I was my mom's emotional mother. I carried the weight of her issues. She opened up to me. I was an, I'm very empathetic. So I would listen from the time I was very early, but I learned that what I did was tried to fix and carry the emotional atmosphere of my, uh, my relationship with my mom. I tried to make sure everything was okay fast forward into adult relationships, doing the same thing. It's breaking down. And I realized that was a gaping wound in my soul that I needed a mother when I was younger. And my mom and I were able to really talk about this. And I know that that's not the case for everyone. You may not be able to talk to your mom, but I realized that we were able to make amends. We were able to reconcile a lot of things. And there was this big blow up moment where she apologized without any manipulation or crying or tears. And it was deeply healing. We went back to move forward. And I feel like now I can recognize codependency, all these different things that I know that I'm doing wrong in a relationship. I'm like, oh, seize that, stop that. And, but that's why we started with the woman wound, because I feel like if we do not address right away, the root and the lens at which we are wearing, when we walk into most relationships with other people, um, you know, your family of origin, it affects how you view everything. So we just have to pay attention to that. And so that's why we start there. (laughs) <laughs> very long-winded answer for your question. <laughs> no, so good. We needed all of that. And I just appreciate how you shared that you went back to move forward. I think yeah. so many of us are afraid of that. We're afraid yeah. of the old emotions that may arise. Mm-hmm. We attempt to uncover some of those issues. And it is scary, but you cannot move forward unless you go back. And so that is very, very powerful. I wanted to ask you, you know, how our thoughts and words lead us to cultivate relationships that reflect those thoughts and words and how you were able to really shift your paradigm and what you were thinking and saying so that your friendships could benefit from that. That's so good. I, I think that once we realize, and I, I know Irene was on here, um, a while back, but, uh, once we do the work, that's like our, so we've got a group text and we've outed ourselves. So we're in celebrate recovery together and I'm in celebrate recovery. It's not just for addiction. It is also for many other things. And for me, I'm recovering from codependency. So I am in that group to do that. And what I realized is, um, the way that we change our thought patterns, the way that we think about things is 
we go back to move forward. We do the work. So our group text for our celebrate recovery group is called we do the work. (laughs) And it's just this healthy reminder for us that nobody's going to be able to change your thought patterns or lenses for you on a lot of different things. I mean, one of the other chapters is being on the outside, looking in and navigating betrayal. And there's so many different things that you realize that shape the way that you view and think about relationships, that if you don't do the work to heal and be transformed by the renewing of your mind and create new neural pathways, whether that's going into therapy or literally reading through the word on a regular basis and figuring that out, that you are going to keep bumping up against the same problem. And so I just started to realize, well, I've got to take ownership and then I've got to start to cultivate healthy relationships that are already around me. Like, I think that was the thing too, is I neglected a lot of that as Um, you can, you can get really negative and get into this victim spiral where like, there's nobody there for me. But if you really look up, there's always a faithful few that if you choose to cultivate too, you'll begin to see a change in your relationship. So, um, I, I hope I'm answering the question. Okay. But it is that matter of, of whatever that avenue looks like for you to take ownership, do the work in your own heart and mind and life, and then begin to start cultivating a few relationships around you that are already there and healthy, you'll begin to see, wow, like I can look back now and go, I can't believe since I even put this book out, how much my relationships have changed and how healthy they are. So, and how many relationships also I've lost, which is heartbreaking, but at the same time, there's just a beauty in all of it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The one common denominator I hear you sharing is, you know, to find reasons to be grateful because it will shift that ability to see who's there as well. That is, that is beautiful. Uh, You know, you have just mentioned it. I definitely want to hit on it and I want to come at it from two different angles. This whole issue of betrayal, because my goodness, that is so difficult to walk through, regardless of how old you may be or how long it is past. So the first question I want to ask is just as a friend and as a woman who is always, you know, looking for ways to become a better, healthier friend, how have you learned to navigate betrayal in the past? Oh my gosh. Multiple ways. I think, um, the, I I love that you're going to come at it from two ways, but I want to come at it from two ways too, for one second. I think one of the most important ways that I um, decided to start to navigate betrayal was realizing that at one time or multiple times, I have been the betrayer. I've been the one that has hurt other people. Cause I think a lot of times we love to look through this in a way, like a sugar-coated lens over our own lives. Like, gosh, I, like, I'm such a good friend. I've done such a good job. And I was like, well, not always. There may be people that you need to make amends with if it is healthy and safe to do so. Um, but I think that is being able to, again, I'm, I mean, radical ownership is like one of my things. Like I'm really passionate about it. Cause I know that that is the most powerful thing we can do. We can change. We can't change anybody else. So if there's ever a place where I have been the betrayer or I have hurt someone and I feel like, wow, I need to make amends because it's safe to do so. And it will be helpful for the relationship. I definitely do that. But then on the other side, I think one of the hardest things that I realized, even as I was writing, this was realizing, oh my gosh, I have not faced my last betrayal. And I hate that that is true because that right there makes me want to self-protect. That makes me want to isolate. That makes me 
not want to dive in and invest in relationships because what you can be doing is looking for the boogeyman around every corner going, is this, is this friendship going to betray me too? And so you have to, um, I watched a friend post something yesterday. Have you ever heard that line where people say love, like you've never been hurt. And she's like, no, I love, like I have been hurt because it's worth the investment. I'm like, dang, like, that is good. <laughs> but realizing that that's kind of the whole point is the reason why we have to heal is we probably will be betrayed again, but we have to choose to lean in anyway, because the thing that I realized is you know, when we are isolating ourselves, I think, I think I wrote this. I'm, I know this is so funny. I should have this memorized. Don't you think that I should do that? I should have like these things memorized, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) it was a lot of them. We understand. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the thing that I've learned about, oh yeah, this is self-preservation and betrayal kind of go hand in hand, right? Because we Mm -hmm. self-preserve because we've been betrayed. And I I wrote these words. I said, self-preservation is willfully choosing the pain of isolation over the potential of messy, godly connection. Here's the deal. It's always going to be messy. Connection with other people is a mess, but that is where we have the most beautiful opportunity to grow is to lean in, to have hard conversations and still love each other at the end of it. And so I think that's one thing marriage just taught me. I was like, oh, my husband's still here and I'm crazy sometimes. So, you know, and we have the hard conversations to grow, but it's the same when, when it comes to betrayal. So I know I kind of went all over the place, but the way that I've learned to navigate it is number one, take ownership of the areas where I have maybe hurt or betrayed someone, make amends if it's possible. And then where I've been betrayed and there's no amends made, and we haven't been able to reconcile, do the work to forgive, release them, heal, and then choose to step into relationships still, even though it's scary. <sighs> do the work y'all do the work. Yeah. This is intense work, but it is worthwhile. It, it just yeah. influences and impacts every other part of our lives. So that is so helpful. I just recently had Priscilla Dominguez on the uh, podcast. I love her. <laughs> yes, yes. I just, I'm so grateful for her. And so we have had the opportunity to talk about how to heal within yeah. the body from some yes. of the areas of pain that we've endured. And she and I have both been in church leadership. And so we were able to once again, talk about what you mm-hmm. just shared, which is take ownership for how you may have hurt others as well well as you prepare to make amends and move forward and forgive others who have hurt yeah. you. But as a church planner, as a pastor, I want to ask you particularly, what would you recommend or what advice would you give someone to help them see their pastors and some of the hurt that they may experience <laughs> as well? Our conversation will be back in just a moment. But for right now, I want to ask, are you the creative, the queen, or the conqueror? Could you be all three? I want to invite you to head over to liveduly.com and take the confident collaborations quiz. Together, we are going to walk in our calling more confidently than ever before and engage in kingdom collaborations. This two-minute quiz will help you identify your strengths and even a few areas of growth to help you be everything that God designed you to be. It's at liveduly.com slash quiz, and you can find the link in the description below. Oh my gosh. Speaking. Okay. Wow. That's a, I've never been asked that question. That's a great question. 
man, being human and leading is hard. And I think that like it is a two-way street. There is just a higher responsibility when you're pastoring and leading. And there is, gosh, what, which, which scripture is it? And it's not in James. I'm just from anyway, where it talks about not all should be teachers. Mm-hmm. And that's just about the teaching, not about the shepherding piece, but because there is like this higher, higher judgment in a way that comes with it, which is so frightening, but it's a great responsibility. So I think it's a two-way street is for the pastor and leader that's leading understand it is a great responsibility to lead people. And whether, they put unspoken expectations on you or not, that's, that's on them before God, but you have to do your best to heal and care for people the best to the best of your ability. But I would say to those that are listening, looking at your pastor, here's what I would say. Look for someone who is just walking in humility, even in their imperfection. And if you have someone that you're like, wow, my pastor doesn't even see their pain. Like you, you're sitting there watching them going, I can see that they need healing. I can see that they need help, but they don't see it yet. Can I just encourage you? Your prayer and intercession is more powerful than you know. And that makes me emotional because I know um, there were people that prayed for us when we would lead and walk through our own pain. And you still have to keep showing up, preaching that next message, loving people, leading the team when you're walking through your own hell, if I can say that, (laughs) you know? And I think that, Um, the people that just prayed for us and went, I know you're human and I know you're not perfect. And also that if you have a real friendship with a pastor or a leader to love them well and bring them to the mat in truth, if you can, because there's going to be plenty of people that don't have that space in their life that are going to love to tell them what they're doing wrong, but never encourage them and what they're doing. Right. But if you can just see your pastor as a human being that is trying to figure it out, I would, I mean, I'm kind of going all over, but let me narrow it down again see them as human. If they're walking in pride, pray that they will, they will walk in humility. If they don't see their pain, pray that God will reveal it to them so they can walk on a path of healing. If you're a friend of a pastor or leader, come close to them and ask them how you can love them. Well, all of these different things, but I don't know, was that helpful at all? (laughs) It definitely was. It definitely was. Sis, our prayers and our intercession are Mm -hmm. more powerful than we realize. It is time to pray and our leaders need prayer for this season that we are navigating. That was so helpful. Yeah, it's wild. And I think, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but we have transitioned. So we transitioned our church and our two of our really good friends are leading it now. And so we've moved actually to South Carolina, which is wild. I never would have thought I would live in the South. But even I feel like knowing what it was to be in that role, I wake up early every morning, 5.30, and I intercede for our pastors every single day because I knew what it was to be in that role. It's not my role anymore. And so I'm like, the best thing that I can do is that they may not invite me into anything and that's totally fine, but I just want to love them and pray for them and come alongside. So yeah, just wanted to share that. (laughs) Absolutely. I am right there with you. You know, the last question I wanted to ask was about the opportunity to use discretion and even Mm -hmm. some selectivity in the friendships that we enter into. You know, you share that wisdom tells us to be selective, but we often fail to do that because we want to be inclusive. However, selectivity is necessary when you're choosing who has access to your heart. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Yes. 
This is something I've become very passionate about because I've had to learn this the hard way. Being a recovering codependent, you just think everybody gets to have your heart and people can stomp on it and have it. And, you know, you can take ownership for every problem. And I was just wrestling with this. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just nudged me and said, Hey, have you looked at Jesus? Because he literally shows us how he, how to do relationship in a healthy manner. So even Jesus had his circles and I realized, wow, I'm giving so many people access to my heart and giving them the ability to input into my life when they're not necessarily for me. And it is wisdom for us and who we have within the circles of our life, who gets to have access to those intimate spaces and who's just there on the peripheral. So if we look at Jesus, he had his three, he had the 12, he had the 72 and there was the multitudes. And so the three, when you really look at this, you go, oh my gosh, like even he brought Peter, James, and John into these intimate spaces that the other disciples were not invited into. And I think about how Jesus would have had to navigate jealousy. And you re I mean, this is why the gospels make me giggle because how they're like, Hey, who's the greatest, like, who's going to sit next to you. And he's like, Oh my gosh, like, this is like not a cup that you guys really want to drink. You, I don't think you guys understand what's really happening here. And realizing even the jealousy, I probably, if I was one of the other nine and not invited into the three circle where, you know, Jesus was healing Jairus's daughter and kicked everyone else out. I'd be like, I'm special. Bring me in. And realizing that Jesus is like, no, there's a certain few that are going to come into these intimate spaces while I'm in the garden, while I am crying out to God, asking for there to be another way. Even though I brought these three close in their sleep, praying and not being good friends right now, I, <laughs> there's still these three friends that I'm going to bring into this intimate sacred space with me. So we have to know who those people are. Some of you may be like, I am too busy to have three. Okay, great. One. <laughs> It's okay. Mm -hmm. Who is that friend that when you are in the lowest of the low, that's, that's my Irene Rollins. She's mm -hmm. one of the three. And when I was on one of my darkest days, my husband looked at me and said, I think you need to call Irene. And I told her everything that was going on. Guess what? Not everybody knows that. I don't even know if it'll ever be in a book. Mm -hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She knows the depths of the things that I walked through and she celebrates with me too. But those 12, who are you on mission with in discipleship with surrounding yourself with where you're growing and being sharpened with, and who are the 72, that community, that body of believers that you show up for, that you worship with, um, that are being sent out to do the work. And, and then the multitudes are obvious, but I think understanding that giving yourself permission to really look at your life and go, who do I already have? That's close. How can I cultivate that? Who am I on mission with? And am I being intentional with that? Does that make sense? So that's where I just, I was so grateful for scripture in this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You said something, you said that Irene knows some of, you know, the deepest, darkest things you've walked through and she celebrates with you. And yeah. I appreciate how you shared that because I found that we will often have friends that gravitate toward us when things are going wrong. And I sometimes wonder if that's healthy or if it's because, you know, they, uh, if it's a weird dynamic there, yeah, right? Totally. Um, because they don't show up when things are going well. They show up when things are going wrong. And then you have those friends that only show up when things are going well and they're never to be found when That's things so are true. going wrong. So I appreciate how you just shared that your closest friend is there for both of those. And that is something wow. that I really do feel we need to be on the lookout for. Are they there throughout those seasons in our lives? And yes, give them grace because they're going through their own things. But 
have they, you know, just come through at different points in our lives to cheer with us, to cry with us and to really, really uphold scripture in our lives. That's revelation for me too. I'm like, oh my gosh, like that is so true. I'm just going to sit with that for a minute. I have nothing to add. Wow. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to ask you, can you just share where everybody can find you, where we can get the books, all the books? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to share that. So, I mean, kind of one stop place where you can kind of see everything is andyandrew.com. So it's just my name, Andy Andrew com, And, um, there's no S on the end of my name. So if you look that up, you're going to find a guy off. Yeah. His name is Andy Andrews. It's Andy. Y <laughs> Andrews with an S I'm Andy. I Andrew with no S. Um, and so every, I've got free resources on there to go along with all the books that I have, all that sort of stuff that you can access there. And my social media is all the same. It's all my name. So it's really simple. And you know, Amazon bookstores, you can kind of get the books anywhere. Cause my first book is like an everyday deliverance book called she is free faker follower. I always giggle because it was like the book that didn't sell as much, but it's because it's like a throat punch prophetic word book, like a letter to the church. Yes. It was phenomenal. <laughs> And then, yeah, friendship, it's complicated. So yeah, those, that's where you can get them. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before you head out, can we ask you a couple of secrets? Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. This is fun. (laughs) They're never secrets. (laughs) I don't know. First one is, what are you doing to help you slow down in this fast paced society? Are there anything that you surround yourself with or any rhythms that you include into your day? Yeah, I have really gotten good. I know this is going to sound like old lady advice, but I actually go to bed kind of (laughs) early because I am a morning person and I have realized that good sleep really changes my life. Mm. So I, I am on really good supplements. I take, I make sure I take a lot of iron, a lot of good things. And I take my supplements even before I go to bed. And if I need a good melatonin, I take it and I wake up refreshed so that I can be up at five 30 before the rest of my household and really get that quiet time. Those, that rhythm alone is one of the most key for me in this stage of my life. So there's many other things I could share, but that's like one key one that I've been working really hard at. Beautiful. What are you reading or listening to lately? Oh my gosh. I am reading right now. Can I tell you I am reading? I've got to look on my Kindle. So I get the name of the book, right? Does anybody, I don't know. Are you a Kindle person or are you a paper person? I'm both actually because of the podcast. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Totally. That you would get sent them all the time. So I'm actually reading lessons in chemistry right now. So that's like my fun read. So not like my intense read. Yeah. (laughs) And so that is a main one that I am reading at the moment. And then I am also reading, sorry that this is taking me oh, no. a second. Time. Gosh, there's a few other, you know what? I'm just going to give you my fun one for now. Okay. That's the one I'm okay. doing right now. It's not spiritual guys, but that's something I found about myself too. Cause I'm writing another book right now. Mm-hmm. I often will just read the word and then write my book and then read something that's just good and creative for my brain. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I have heard about that book. That's so cool. The last thing is what is bringing a smile to your face lately? What's bringing a smile to my face? Okay, guys, it is my eldest son's senior year. And I, I know I, so that makes me cry a lot, but I think what is bringing a smile to my face is how our family is being super intentional in this season. I had this huge chat with my kids because they were all being 
not nice. And mm-hmm. I, <laughs> and I sat them down and I said, listen, I need you guys to seize the moment. Cause here's what I don't want. I didn't mean to make them all cry, but I said, I need you to fast forward. Everyone close your eyes, fast forward to may yeah. or to, to, to June or August, you know, July, August, whenever we're moving our son, when, when Ezekiel leaves the house, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to have any regrets that yeah. says, I wish I would have gone outside and played basketball with him. I wish I would have paid more attention at this. I wish when he asked if we could do this, that I would have showed up. They started to cry. I was like, Oh, but what is brought a smile to my face is the intentionality that I'm watching my children have in connecting yeah. with each other, knowing that this season is the last season we're going to have with Zeke living at home. Yeah. So powerful parenting yeah, right there. Makes Love me proud. <laughs> That's so sweet. That's so sweet. Ah, I can't thank you enough for your time, Andy. Oh my goodness. You oh. shared so much with us. We've been so blessed and we can't wait till this new book comes out. <laughs> oh, Liv, I am so grateful for you. You are phenomenal. Thank you for asking questions that like, even just, I don't know, you brought me deeper. So I'm grateful for you and the gift that's on your life. So thank you. Thank you. Would you pray us out? I would love to. Well, father, I pray over every listener right now and pray over live to gosh, God, what a gift. I just pray that you would continue to expand her influence and her voice and take it to places and spaces that she never would have thought. I thank you for her and I thank you for her desire to bring truth and love to readers or readers, <laughs> you know, maybe she's going to write a book. Maybe that's what that is too, but to listeners. And so I pray over every listener. If there was any part of this podcast where your heart just broke and you had revelation or understanding or a need for healing in a certain area of your life, I just pray right now by your spirit that you would speak to them about the pathway to healing, that you would show them, God, what to do, what to pick up, who to speak to, who to open up to, who to make amends with, who to reconcile with, where to repent, where to do the work, and where to even cultivate relationships that are already present and to be grateful and send even notes of gratitude for those that have been there through the good, the bad, and the ugly and the celebrations. So I just thank you for it. I just bless every listener in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen. (sighs) That just blessed my soul. And I pray that you can say the same after this conversation. If that's the case, would you be so kind as to head over to Apple Podcasts or Audible and leave a rating and review? It would truly support this podcast and let the guests know that you value their time. I know I do. Now, in between our time here on the podcast, I do want to let you know that I am at Candid Live on Instagram and at Live Duly on YouTube. It would be an honor to do life with you. I look forward to the next time. Love you.